Good morning again, everyone. My name is Troy. I'm the pastor of the West Bend site here in West Bend at Kettlebrook. And again, I want to extend another welcome to you. As Christy mentioned, our ushers are going to take an offering at this time. And again, if you're visiting with us, just take a Connect card out and put that in there. That just will get an email from me. If you are uh, part of our family of faith and has, have been giving, I just want to say thank you again for your continued faithful stewardship so we can continue to serve both locally and globally. Uh, this morning, we are in week two of... Um, a series called Unbound. We're, we're looking through three chapters uh, in the book of Romans, the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans. And this morning, um, I, brought, I brought a friend with me. Um, she's over here. Alexa. Now, just to be honest, uh, this is not mine. Um, it's a family of members of mine and, and uh, borrowed it because I'm not always an early adapter when it comes to something that's in my house that's listening to everything that I'm saying. Fair enough. Um, but what's the, the, one of the things I wanted to bring Alexa here for was because um, I need you to understand something. I am Alexa's master. Okay? She listens to what I say. Alexa, tell me what the temperature is outside. Currently, in West Bend, it's 23 degrees Fahrenheit with clear skies and sun. Today, you can expect partly sunny weather with a high of 40 degrees and a low of 23 degrees. Well, thank you, Alexa. That's very helpful. Isn't that helpful? Alexa, remind me to stop preaching in 20 minutes. When should I remind you? 20 minutes. Okay. I'll remind you in 20 minutes. Yeah, we've got communion today, so I want to make sure we get this in. All right. See, I am Alexa's master. Alexa, tell me, where is Chuck Norris? If Chuck Norris wants you to know where he is, he'll find you. If he doesn't, he won't know until he's too late. That's right. Chuck Norris wants you to know where he is, he'll find you. If he doesn't, you won't know until it's too late. Who would have thought we would have come like to this point where this thing can do this, right? And technology is amazing. So, so you're wondering, what, Troy, why did you bring Alexa on the stage with you this morning? And so the reason why is because I want to try to, to process through a concept that is, is fairly difficult for us to... Con- Stop. You're interrupting me. I'm the master of you. All right, so here we go. So I want to talk about a little bit about slavery and, and, and what it looks like to be someone's master and being mastered by someone today. But it's, it's something that we don't really understand that well. And so I want to, I want to use that as a, as a way that we can potentially relate to this um, this morning. Because we all obey someone or something. We all respond to someone or something. The question is, is who is it that we are responding to or obeying? And I think we, we don't consciously wrestle through this consciously, but I think subconsciously we wrestle through it all the time. Subconsciously we're wondering, why, why do I feel the way that I do if I take my cell phone and someone takes my cell phone away? Like, it bothers me. Okay. Why do I need to have my cell phone constantly wherever I am? Why is it that I get so emotionally manipulated by either a Packer win or a Packer loss? What is going on there? I'm responding. Why is it that I can't stop thinking about money or my finances all the time? 
Why is it that things have to look just right in my house or I'm not going to feel right about it? I feel like I'm out of control. What is it about that? It's these subconscious ways, and some of them are conscious, but that we wrestle with having to kind of be obedient to something or listening to something or someone. And, and this morning we're looking at a text. It's, it's nearly 2,000 years old, but it is relevant and speaks to us. It speaks to us still today. So grab a Bible with me and open up to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 is on page 799. If you're visiting with us, we'd strongly encourage you. There's brown Bibles underneath your chairs. would would really encourage you to grab a Bible and open up to this page, uh, 799, or Romans chapter 6, and read along with me as we go. Now, Mike last week opened this series up. Um, and he mentioned that the letter to the Romans that Paul wrote, Apostle Paul wrote it. And again, I always give this disclaimer just in case you're not sure. Like Paul is this guy that we call St. Paul, this apostle. But he was actually a guy who hated Christians and ha- was having them killed. And then he met the resurrected Jesus Christ. His life was in completely and entirely changed. And he became what's called an apostle, a missionary, the servant who gave everything for the Lord Jesus. And then shared the good news everywhere that he went. And one of the places he had not gone was Rome. Um, in, in many of the letters that we find that Paul wrote, like Galatians or Corinthians, etc., these were letters that were written to churches he had kind of started, if you would, and they, he had heard about things that were going on there, and he was asking questions, or he had heard they were asking questions, and he was responding back to them. In this case, Paul was try- he hadn't gone to Rome, hadn't met these followers of Jesus yet, but wanted to on his way to Spain, is the way that, that we understand it historically. And so he wasn't responding to specific questions. He was, he was basically just saying, Here is good news. Here is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. And he lays it out in the book of Romans, or the letter to Romans. Last week we learned that at the beginning of chapter 6, that the good news of of the gospel is that when we die to ourselves, and we give our lives to Jesus Christ, we actually receive life in that. When we die to ourselves, we receive life in Jesus Christ. That we understand what, what happens when we do that in Christ, that our, our life changes. Because Paul was trying to make it very clear that to, the way to life was not through being religious. The way to life was not through following all the rules, dotting all the I's, or I's and crossing all the T's. That's not what it was about. It was about trusting in and having faith in the truth that Jesus Christ has dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's on our behalf. That Jesus Christ has been perfect in our behalf. But Paul anticipates, as he's writing through this, somewhat of, a, somewhat of a rhetorical form, he anticipates what will probably be the next line of thinking of questions if someone were listening to his letter. And so he's like wondering, or he's going to answer, hey, if they wonder, Paul, okay, if what you say about the gospel is true, then what is going to stop these followers of, of Christ from going off the rails? How do, you, how do you make sure that they're going to obey if you don't have it be about the law? Why don't they just, they, they could just do whatever they want then. And he anticipates this. And in anticipating this, he responds in the text that we're going to read here in just a minute here. Let's uh, start, we're going to start in verse 14 of chapter 6. Before I do that, I want to pray again. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this text. I thank you for this letter that Paul wrote as he is laying out good news that we need to hear today just as, as much as they needed to hear it back then. Show us how relevant this is to us sitting in this room this morning and help us to understand what you have for us by your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Chapter 6, verse 14. Read with me. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. 
Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you're weak in your natural selves. Just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were freed from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's Word. So, I would be remiss to say there is a lot of stuff in here. Okay? If I didn't say that. There is so much stuff in here. And so what I'm going to try to do is, is unpack this a little bit and, and say what it seems like Paul is doing in general is he's setting up a dichotomy. There's two masters and there's two wages. There's, there's two masters and there's two wages in this. And so before we unpack what the master language is, I do want to back and we have to talk about slavery a little bit. Okay, because Paul brings up the term slaves or slavery just eight times in a few sentences here. And it's in the context of this where the two masters come up. Now, he admits in verse 19 that there's some limitations to this uh, metaphor, but he's trying to help people connect with this concept. So because we're so far removed from what Paul was talking about in Rome and even removed from what we understand as slavery, I do want to address this, though. When Paul is writing to Rome, he's not referring to slavery in the sense that we are distantly familiar with here in our country. Where, where people were literally kidnapped and taken and put into a ship like sardines and brought over and sold, okay? The, the history of the African-American community that we, we have, okay? That's, that's not the kind of slavery that, that he's referring to. That's the kind that we think of because it's the one that we're most familiar with. In Rome, um, slavery was often voluntary, okay? Think about it. They didn't have um, Social Security, disability, you know, pensions, all that kind of stuff. And so if something were to happen to you, Maybe you lost the capacity to work or, or something. I don't, I don't, something were to happen and you, things could go downhill real fast and you could be in a place where you're completely destitute. What you could do is you could go and you could find someone who had some wealth and had some resources and you could go and say, um, we would like to be uh, a slave. In other words, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be hired if you would, but you would be brought in to kind of their extended family and you would be provided for, for food and shelter, but you wouldn't necessarily be paid in that sense. You'd become a slave. I, I don't think this is a good analogy of this, but something that we could maybe go sort of like that. You think about back if you went to college, there was um, RAs. I don't know if that's what they're called anymore. Are they called RAs anymore? Are they called something different? RAs. So resident assistants. So they get free room and board, but are basically kind of like slaves to the floor that they're on. They've got to be on call constantly all the time. Not at all really a good analogy, but kind of something to what Paul is talking about here as far as saying, here's, what, here's what's going on as far as slavery. Another way that you could look at the slavery in, in the image here is marriage. That's why they call it the old ball and chain. Okay? 
Because what's really supposed to happen in marriage, what's really supposed to happen in marriage is that, and he uses this word, present yourselves or offer yourself up. What's supposed to happen in marriage is that a husband and wife are to come together and they are to present themselves or offer themselves up one to the other. And as they do that, they set their rights aside. And they say, we becomes more important than me. And so they're offering themselves. Now, I'd, I'd, love, to, I'd love to actually spend a lot more time on that illustration, but... Um, Paul talks about it in the next chapter. He actually uses that as an illustration to, to bolster this argument here. And next week we get to hear Stuart Briscoe unpack that. So I'm not going to pretend like I can do it as well as he is. So you have to come here and do that next week. So um, that's we're going to leave the, the marriage piece out. In, in this text, I want, I want you to go, okay, there's two, two masters and two wages. The first master is the slave master of sin. And the second master is the slave master of God himself. Verse 16, I'll reread it. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Now, I did say it's sin versus God, but later on you'll see he'll say slaves to righteousness, slaves to obedience, and then later he says in verse 22, you are slaves to God. So really this is sin and God is the two different slave masters. You can obey sin or God. And both of these have different wages. The first, sin has a couple different wages or forms of payment. And the first wage that you get when sin is your slave master is increasing sin, or wickedness he uses here, and death. How's that sound? You like those wages? Not so good. He says in verse 20, hey, you were slaves to sin. When, slave, when you were a slave to sin, here's what you weren't a slave to. You were free from, from righteousness. You didn't have to worry about righteousness. That's why, you know, you, you can click on that website. You can lie to your wife and not feel bad about that. You can, you can cut corners at work, neglect your kids. You can be selfish about your time. Don't have to think about it. No conviction there. You can toke up, pass out, whatever. Why? Because you're free from righteousness and it's control. It's not the master. Sin is the master. But he says, hey, you know what? Tell me this. What benefits did you reap from those things that you're now ashamed of? How did that turn out? How did that work out for you? Not so good. Sometimes I think we have this, we look back in our lives and we've done dumb things. And it's weird. Sometimes we look back on the dumb things that we've done and there's like this romantic nostalgia about that. Hey, you remember when we were so dumb? Yeah, okay, maybe there's a memory there, but it's not like there's a reason you don't do that stuff anymore because you actually know where that has led and you don't do that anymore. And so we experience the wages of sin. The wages are increasing sin or wickedness and death itself. I think we've all experienced that. The first wage would be there um, increasing sin. Let's say this. This is an example. Someone offends you. If someone offends you and sin is your master, what's going to happen is that sin's going to speak to you and tell you what to do. And so as sin is your master, you're going to offend somebody or someone, you're going to offend someone or someone offends you, sorry. And then you're, your sin master is going to say, okay, get even. Sin master is going to say, maybe ignore them. Sin master might say, be passive aggressive. Sin masters say, talk about them behind someone else's back so you can justify yourself. This is what happens. It's increasing sin. So when sin is our master, these are the kinds of things that play out in our lives. 
And then what happens is, is maybe it's not literal death, but it's the death of relationships. And this happens all the time as sin increases when sin is our slave master. Sometimes people are people pleasers, and I've been guilty of this. And when we are people pleasers, other people, what they say, what they think becomes our master, becomes actually our God. That's idolatry. Okay? And that's sin. Because anytime that we put anything else in the place of what God is and is meant to be in our lives, we're sinning. And so when we're seeking to be such people pleasers, we're making decisions not to obey God, but to obey that which we are master to. And the sin in this case would be a master of affirmation. And so we will do whatever we have to do to make everybody happy. We will say whatever we have to say to make everyone happy. But you know if, that's, if you're in that camp. You know what happens? Sometimes two different people are saying two different things. How do you make them all happy? Right? You know what you do? You tell a white lie, half-truth here or there, and you start to spin a web. And then you end up getting caught in it. And sin leads to increasing sin or wickedness. Paul writes this. To those who follow Jesus, he says, thanks be to God that even though you used to be slaves to sin, even though sin used to be your master, your slave master, thanks be to God that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now, I need you to notice something here in this. He says something that's very important. It's in a passive voice. You have been set free. Here's what that means. You do not free yourself. You have been set free. You do not free yourself. He says, thanks be to God. Because God is the one who is doing the setting free in His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one who has set us free. And now I know um, we did a whole series on this last year. I just want to um, point out the fact that because God is the one who's done the setting the free, it seems as though it happens in these different stages. And I'll, and I'll show you because it's past, present, and future. We have been set free. We are being set free. And we will be set free. I'll show you this next slide. There's some terms. One is called justified. The first one has to do with our past. In Christ, if we place our faith in Christ, we have been freed from the penalty of sin. In other words, we, God the Father doesn't look at us and see that we owe anymore because Jesus has paid what we owe. We are justified before God. That's a one-time-in-the-past kind of thing that has happened. We have been set free. However, those of you who have been set free understand that you're like, dang it, why do I still sin? If I have been set free, should I not sin? Well, no. You've been set free from the penalty of sin, but you haven't been set free from the presence of sin. There's still sin. What we are doing now is we are being freed in Christ. We are still presently being freed from the power of sin. And so what that means is we're being sanctified. We're becoming more and more like Christ as the Spirit guides us and the Spirit directs us and moves us. And we become more and more like Christ. And one day in the future in Christ, we will be freed from the presence of sin altogether. And Paul addresses all three of these in this text that we just read. He says, you've been set free from sin. He goes, you've been set free from this. And now you're a slave to God. Now, let me ask this. Do you really like that language? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm a slave to God. Like, nobody likes that language, right? You don't like that. Could you say, like, Troy, could you say something else? Can you say, like, God's our dad? That sounds better. Not slaves to God. I, I get that. Another illustration for you. Let me ask you this. Who, who knows what this is? A vacuum cleaner, right. This is the, one of the newest versions. Thanks, Isaac. Yeah, this is a face-mounted vac. 
Okay? This is the new version of this face-mounted shop vax. So this is called a, uh, a CPAP, okay? Continuous positive airway pressure machine. Some of you in the room know exactly what this is because you use it every night to breathe, don't you? Now, I don't, have, I don't have sleep apnea, but what happens, I think, with sleep apnea is basically for some variety of different reasons, there's air blockage when someone will sleep. doesn't allow you to get the oxygen that you need. Now, we know this. Not getting oxygen equals bad. Okay? Like, we, fair enough. No oxygen equals bad. But what I, what, what I understand from my friends who do have a sleep apnea, this thing is a real lifesaver. Because not only, like, not getting oxygen is bad for your long-term health, but it just makes for a rough night, and then it makes for a rough next day. Right? But here's the thing. If you have sleep apnea, from what I understand, the sleep apnea, if you have that, you have become a slave to this thing. You become a slave to this in all, in, all, in all real terms of the word. Because you want a good night's sleep. And so you think after a long day, you're just like, oh, I'm so exhausted, I just want to go to bed. Nope, can't do that. Got to make sure this thing is there. Got to make sure it's plugged in, right? Now, what if you're sleeping somewhere that you're not at home? Well, you got to make sure you got an outlet somewhere. You got to make sure if there's no close outlet, you got an extension cord. And camping is not an option for you anymore. You just lost that, threw that out the window. Because you're a slave to this thing. Not only to mention that, this isn't something that where you can just plug it in and put it on your nightstand like a diffuser and all of a sudden, lemons flying out all night long. Okay? But you can't just plug that in. What happens is that you literally have to turn into Darth Vader. Okay? Like you put this thing on and it goes up your nostrils like this. Okay? I don't even know if I got it on right. But it doesn't matter. Because... Any t- okay, so like you become a slave to this thing. Any chance that you want to connect with your spouse at this point, on a variety of levels, whatever that is, that is out the window. If you like to sleep on your stomach, not an option. Okay, you have become a slave to this thing, and yet. This is a reminder. Stop preaching. <laughs> Yeah, I got it. I got it. I'm not done. All right. Where was I? All right. Now, here's the thing. Those, those who have these things understand that they would, they, would, they would gladly put this in their nostrils so they can breathe, so they can have life. So they can have life. And I really think Paul is saying the same kind of thing here in essence. When we present ourselves to God, we present ourselves to God through faith in Jesus Christ, the result is life. Increasing life now and forevermore. It's something we say, yes, I will be a slave to you because I'll have life through you. If God is a source of life, the more that we reflect Him, the more we experience Jesus said, hey, I can't, I can't have life and life to the full. And not just someday, but now. This is the wage. This is the wage of having God as your slave master. Life. Life. In fact, I need to make a note. Something very important. When he, well, Paul talks about two different wages, he says the wages of sin is, is, is increasing sin and death. He doesn't say the wages of God are eternal life. What does he say? Did you see it? He doesn't say the wages of God. He says the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, for those of us who are outside of this, this again, this may seem like a huge burden to bear to go, oh man, this thing is burdensome. But again, it's because we don't understand. We haven't experienced the life that this kind of thing provides, the breath that it gives. Some of you maybe are here this morning and you feel like giving yourself in slavery, if you would, if you don't like that term, you may get that and go, but doing that is burdensome. It's heavy. You're like, it's costly. You're not the only person that's ever felt that way. In fact, there's many people in the room who have felt that way. But they've also then experienced what happens when they have life and they really find and experience true life in Jesus Christ. Well, about 20 years ago or so, I was, getting my, I was in my second internship. I was up in the Fox Valley, uh, and uh, my boss there was a guy named Pat. And Pat um, was kind of a rough dude. He was rough. He was a very successful businessman, very crude on the outside, all these different things. People thought he was kind of a jerk. I, I, I don't know if I just saw kind of like his heart somewhere in there, but I connected with him a little bit and maintained a relationship even after my summer internship and continued a friendship for the next 20 years to this day. A couple of years back, he went through some trauma uh, in his life. He called me when his, one of his children was down at Children's Hospital on the verge of death, and we had some great dialogues. Uh, we were meeting very, very rarely, but then we started to meet somewhat like semi-regularly and sort of process through life and ask him questions about where he's really at with things. And he began to search. He began to search. Because he, he knew this, this other way, and he's like, this isn't the way. And I remember it was... Um, Sometime after that, he called me. He was down in a hotel room in Brookfield and overnight for some meetings the next day. And he, he, I think he maybe texted me. He texted me and said, Troy, I, I think I just gave my life to Jesus Christ. He had watched some kind of Francis Chan video and he was convicted by that. And he was on his knees. And he goes, but I don't, I think this means I have to give like everything. Is that right? And part of me wanted to be like, no, it's all good. It'll be gray. Like, it's just, this is a good, no. And I said, absolutely. That's exactly what he's asking you for, is everything. He goes, I don't want this to be a fad. And I said, I don't either. He wants everything. And so he gave everything. And just a couple of weeks ago, I was so, I was just loving it. We were at No Regrets together. He had brought a friend of his, and we're having lunch with a couple of guys I had brought with. And, and, um, and Pat goes, hey, let's pray before we eat. And he started praying. I'm just like, this is such a beautiful thing. Now, did it mean that he had to change his life? It did. It means he's changed a lot. It thinks there's burdens there now that, in essence, if you would, burdens to righteousness, burdens to, to understand that God has life for him in that, if you call that burden. But it's not anything he sees as a burden. He sees it as life. He sees it as life. This is God's gift in Christ Jesus if we change our masters. And we can't kind of sort of, we can't straddle both. God, God wants all of us, okay? Now, again, are we going to still sin? Yes, but sin is not our master anymore. F.F. F. Bruce is a professor. He wrote it this way. Joe, in the next slide. When the slave is dead, his master can go on giving orders to the corpse until he's blue in the face. But the corpse will pay no attention. Once, Paul says, you were slaves to sin. Sin was your master and you were forced to do all the evil things that sin ordered you to do. You had no power to say no. But now you've died so far as your relation to sin is concerned. And you need pay no more heed to the dictates of sin. So back to Alexa. Alexa, who is your master? Well, I'm here just for you. So you're probably the boss. That's right. 
So in, in this imagery, to some extent, if, 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 if she is us and there's this voice of sin, she gets unplugged. She doesn't listen to that anymore. She gets smashed with a sledgehammer. She doesn't hear that. She has to be made new. And we're made new in Christ. In Christ, we are a new creation. We have a new master. We don't have to listen to that old voice anymore. We have a new master now. This is what it looks like to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's good news. It's good news. Paul uses this term again here a couple times. He says, offer ourselves. Every one of us here in this room is offering ourselves. Presenting ourselves. And we're offering or presenting ourselves to one of two masters regularly, daily. We're offering ourselves to the sin slave master or to God. Two completely different masters with two completely different wages. Here's what we've got to remember. Here's the good news. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ offered himself. He presented himself before the Father. Jesus Christ, for anyone who would call him master, becomes the one who has been offered, the one who has been presented on our behalf for the Father, so that when the Father looks at us, he can see the righteousness, the spotlessness, the the glory of Jesus instead of us. This is good news. And so the Father says, present Present yourselves before my Son who has presented Himself before me and you will have life. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to take some time to reflect on this and then we're going to share in the Lord's Supper together. We're going we're to present ourselves before the table because the table reminds us of the one who has presented Himself and offered Himself before the Father on our behalf. The way that we do this at Kettlebrook is that we, um, we're not concerned per se about your church background if you believe that you have been set free from sin because of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the one who has set you free, you have not set yourself free. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the one who has offered Himself on your behalf before the Father, then you are welcome to take this with us. If that's not where you're at, that's, that's, that's okay. You don't have to fake it, go through the motions, because it's not about dotting the I's and crossing the T's. It's about, again, saying, I believe in the one who has dotted all the I's of the law, crossed all the T's of the law, completely fulfilled everything on my behalf. And so what we're going to do is, I have a question I want us just to wrestle with for um, two or three minutes. This is the question. In what ways have you been presenting yourself to or obeying the voice of the slave master sin? We're going we're gonna to have some instrumental music for that time. Just to be thinking through that. Just bring that before the Lord. And spend some time together in, in silence thinking through that. And David's going to play some, some instrumental while we do that. And then after we've had a chance to do that, the team is going to lead us in a song. And as, uh, the, as they do that, we'll stand up to sing that song. But those at that time who are feeling in a place where they want to go and offer themselves before the table, can go to one of the five different places that are laid out in the uh, gathering space and take uh, bread and a cup and bring it back to your seat. And when we're done with that song, we'll um, celebrate together communion. Hopefully that's clear. Let's pray. Gracious Father, thank you so much that you are the, the best master that we could ever have. Father, we confess that we are led astray and we have been led astray in the past. And sometimes we want to sometimes listen to the voice of the old slave master sin. But we are, we, are, we are dead in Christ to that. 
We are a new creation in Christ who has offered himself on our behalf before you, Father. Help us to remind, be reminded of that today. Help us to remember and help us to celebrate what you have done, that you have freed us. We have been set free in Christ. May we put our trust and faith in him. Nothing that we've done, but him alone. May we remember as we go eventually to the table. Convict us now by your spirit, Lord, in areas where we are listening to to, to not the voice of the master that we were created to listen to. Be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.